All right. Well, welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. Thoughtful conversation, we hope, about the news of the day. And we address the existential threats to America. And there are plenty, some of them homegrown. Today, we'll catch up with Gordon Chang. He's a go-to guy for us. He's a conservative columnist. He's a blogger. He's a TV pundit. He's an author. He's a lawyer. The author of the book, The Coming Collapse of China, one hopes for that. And Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World. So before we talk to Gordon Chang, I just want to tell you that President Biden may do this uh, $10,000 of uh, student loan relief for students who borrowed. This is totally outrageous. First of all, if you borrow the money, pay it back. Mm -hmm. I did, and I did. Millions of Americans did. Think of the people who have paid their loans back, what they're going to think when they see this forgiveness. Second, this will simply drive up the cost of college. Colleges will look at this and they'll raise anywhere up to $10,000 what they're going to charge. This will increase inflation. There'll be more money in the economy in the hands of these students. It's totally unfair. And a a fourth point, a lot of these loans are for professional students, students who are studying to be lawyers and doctors. So your plumber is going to pay for the college education of your doctor or your lawyer or your PhD. It just isn't right. It just isn't right. We'll be talking about this if it occurs. I'll be doing it on TV, and we'll be talking about it on this podcast. I want to let you know about our friends at Bank on Yourself. Have you been dreading looking at your 401k or your IRA account balance? Yeah, things aren't looking really good right now, and you're not alone. And the experts say there has been no place to hide, but that is simply not true. The truth is you can build a financial bunker that grows and protects your money during even the scariest economic times. The Bank on Yourself Retirement Plan Alternative lets you escape the financial carnage that has never had a losing year in over 160 years. Whether you have been investing for years or just started out, now is the time to bypass Wall Street and bank on yourself. Bank on Yourself lets you reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risks. You get guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork needed. This strategy also lets you take a tax-free retirement income, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. Unlike the government-controlled 401k, IRA, or similar plan, you control the money in your plan, not the government. You can use your money for any purpose with no questions asked without interrupting the growth of your savings. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's have used when no banker would lend them a dime and almost anyone can do it. No volatility. Your plan doesn't go backward when the markets tumble. Both your principal and growth are protected. Peace of mind. Perhaps the best reason of all, you'll know the minimum guaranteed value of your plan on the day you plan to tap into it and at every point along the way. You can get a free report with all the details of how adding bank on yourself to your financial plan can help you take back control of your money. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash bill. That's bankonyourself.com slash bill. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a solicitation for the purchase of any financial product. All guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the insurer. Well, it's time to jump in with Gordon Chang. Gordon, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bill. Great to talk to you. Let's jump right in. Gordon, uh, 
my gosh, these are challenging times, really challenging times. I used to write about uh, the 60s, 1968, as the Annus Horribilis. I think these are the worst years in the 60s. Everything seems to be going in the opposite direction. And uh, be, being led by our own president, I, I just don't understand this. Anyway, I don't uh, either. But I, I just, I was just watching the news and saw an item. Chinese uh, government has bought a big patch of land in North Dakota near one of our Air Force bases. Uh, this, this is, is uh, Fufeng Group, which is a food processor from Shandong um, province. It's not technically the Chinese central government, but obviously it's being done at the direction of the Communist Party and the central government. Yeah, uh, good correction. It's not the government, but very little gets done in China at this at this uh, magnitude without the approval of the government, right? Right. This is, this is done clearly at the top level. At the direction of the top levels of uh, Beijing. Uh, your essay, uh, which we're going to put up on the site, China weaponizing uh, Chinese worldwide to support the CCP. Talk about Chinese people in the United States and the whole question of loyalty to the United States and to China. This is an eye-opening essay you wrote. Well, thank you very much. Because Americans don't like talking about race in this way, the Chinese have been able, the communist Chinese have been able to basically organize American Chinese against our country. And so we have got to talk about this. We've got to do something about it. Um, I mean, it, it gets into, you know, people talk about the internment of the Japanese during World War II and all sorts of stuff, which is absolutely fascinating because remember, the United States did not inter Japanese in Hawaii. They interred Japanese in California. And the reason was that there was credible evidence that the Japanese government was organizing um, Japanese, uh, ethnic Japanese in the United States in California. And, you know, this was an emergency. And I think people forget that. Yeah. Um, yep. And they You're forget right. the distinction, you know. We didn't do it because they were Japanese. We were doing it because the Japanese government was organizing them in California, but not in Hawaii. And I think that's an important distinction. Yes. What's going on now that's parallel or related or could be? Well, um, what's happened is two things. First of all, we as a country have not come to terms with the Communist Party of China. Um, it's the United Front Work Department seeking to make ethnic Chinese in this country subversive agents of the CCP. And uh, if we don't do that, uh, we could lose our country. There are a couple of issues here. Of course, there's uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, trying to weaponize Chinese. But the other issue is a succession of American presidents who have known what's going on, who haven't done anything. Um, so, for instance, uh, Ministry of State Security agents operate freely in the United States. Chinese diplomats also operate freely. Both of them um, seek to intimidate Americans of Chinese descent, seek to supervise Chinese students while they're on our campuses, seeking to organize them in political protest, which is a violation of our sovereignty. We know all of this, and yet we don't take steps to stop it. So this is a question of the American people need to mobilize themselves to make sure that our government starts protecting us from an evident danger. Um, I know a little, you, you ticked off a number of items, but I know a little bit about these the students. About how many Chinese students are in higher education in the U.S.? Do you recall? It was about 390,000 or so yeah. before the yeah. pandemic. Since then, the numbers have dropped somewhere on the order of 40 or 50%. Um, 
we don't know what the percentage will number will be in this coming school terms for universities and colleges, um, but it will be way down from what was before. Be a couple of hundred thousand, though, right? It will probably be in that range. Um, Beijing itself is trying to limit uh, students coming to the United States. Also, um, we have started to look more closely at what Chinese students are doing in our country. So there really is um, both uh, from both ends, and the numbers will be way down. Why are they limiting at the Chinese end? Why do they? I thought they wanted to flood our campuses. Well, they would like to flood our campuses, but they also believe that uh, they can um, obtain what they want through other means. And as well, um, they would like to bolster their academic institutions. They're very yeah. conscious of their rankings um, with various yeah. organizations around the world rank Chinese institutions. They want those rankings to go up um, and having their best students stay at home would obviously help them in that regard. I have read in several places, Gordon, that um, by Chinese law, students uh, who are in the United States who are Chinese um, are actually, by law, agents of the state. Um, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, the 2017 National Intelligence Law of China in Articles 7 and 14 um, require every Chinese national and every Chinese entity to spy if demanded. And that makes every Chinese national and every Chinese organization under a compulsion to commit espionage against the United States. You know, we Americans are squeamish about targeting um, people based upon their uh, ethnicity and else. But we've got to understand that now this is um, a legitimate uh, uh, classification and that we should start looking at Chinese nationals because of this. But also there's something else, Bill, and that's even more important than the national intelligence law. And that is in China's communist top down system. Nobody can um, uh, um, defy the Communist Party. So for those two right. reasons, I believe that Chinese nationals um, should be given um, closer attention by law enforcement and that basically um, Chinese uh, nationality should be a uh, legitimate uh, classification for us to impose um, greater surveillance. Uh, just a, one more question on, on the students. Is it true that many of them do report to uh, Chinese authorities in the United States on a more or less regular basis, uh, espionage, uh, in, in acts of espionage or spying or at least reporting on what's going on? Yeah. Before the pandemic, there were estimates that about 13 percent of uh, Chinese nationals in our institutions of higher learning were um, committing acts of espionage or acting inconsistently with their uh, role as students. And and this is done um, at the direction of the Ministry of State Security. Um, There are a number of organizations, but the most important of them is the Chinese Students and Scholars Association, which uh, the the, the Chinese government organizes and stu- Chinese students on campuses are expected to belong to them. And this means that you have um, uh, basically the Chinese government monitoring, surveilling and giving directions to Chinese students on our campuses. We know that this is going on. Uh, and yet we do not take steps to disband um, these organizations, which we obviously should be doing. 
because although we welcome students of, uh, from all countries on our um, uh, soil, we should not be allowing uh, foreign governments to monitor those students while they're here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Gordon. I've talked to a couple of uh, leading administrators at some of the big universities, one who boasted that in three or four years they haven't raised their tuition at all. And I said, how many Chinese students have you admitted? He said, oh, a lot more. Uh, that's one way they've been able to keep their tuition where it is because the Chinese students pay the, pay the full load uh, or even more. Uh, anyway, that's not a good deal. Not a good deal for us. Not if they're spying on us at the same time. And, and there's something even worse than the Chinese spying on our campuses, Bill. And that is um, because college administrators um, want the tuition money, they have allowed Chinese students to restrict academic freedom for everybody on campuses. And uh, college administrators have uh, been uh, active in restricting uh, free speech and expression on American campuses. This is a core value of America. Um, Academic institutions are obviously critical to our future. So we've allowed China to poison um, our higher education. Now, you know, when you say, let me get the words right, greater scrutiny uh, of of Chinese uh, citizens in the United States, obviously that rings a bell, uh, an alarm bell with a lot of Americans, you know, treating people differently or looking at them differently because of their race or their skin color. Uh, And this, of course, is an advantage uh, to the CCP because we're squeamish about doing this, right? Absolutely. Um, But because the Chinese uh, Communist Party and because the Chinese central government has imposed uh, these requirements on Chinese nationals, it is legitimate for us um, to look at Chinese nationals on our campuses because they are under a special compulsion to spy because of the Communist Party's top-down system, and also because of China's national intelligence law. So this is a classification that uh, Beijing has uh, forced upon us. And if we don't start looking at Chinese students, then I think that we are at a point where we could lose our country. The Communist Party relentlessly promotes this narrative that criticism of China, quote-unquote, Um, causes Asian American hate in our country, which I do not believe is true. But um, nonetheless, we've got to remember what the source of this is. And the source is not U.S. law enforcement efforts. The source is the criminality and uh, the dangerous um, conduct of the Communist Party. Yeah. um, But, you know, what you say, if you watch the news, uh, you'll be uh, treated to all sorts of items about any Chinese a sentiment, uh, Chinese people being beat up in New York City, you know, being victims. Uh, and so this increases the squeamishness, if I could, if I could put it that way. Uh, it makes Americans more hesitant uh, to think uh, or to give greater scrutiny uh, to Chinese nationals, correct? Well, yes. I mean, um, but we don't know if, um, for instance, the statistics on this, whether uh, it is statistically significant. We hear yeah. of incidents, but of yeah. course, um, white people get beaten up. The Hispanics get beaten up. So, um, first of all, we need to have uh, a better national conversation about this. Um, but also, we've got to remember what the what the source of this is, that uh, the Communist yeah. Party specifically seeks to weaponize ethnic Chinese in the United States to take down our society. If we don't understand that, we can lose our country. To weaponize people, weaponizing people. Chinese nationals to do this work. 
You know, absolutely. Let me just step back. I mean, you know, uh, we we gave a bunch of secrets back when to the to the Chinese military. Um, you know, we were we were we were doing that for a while, um, military secrets and other things. We see the Chinese linking up here in this new world order with Russia. Um, we have the danger you're talking about. We're talking to Gordon Chang in this great essay, which we've linked to. Um, uh, you know, the, the weaponizing of the Chinese uh, nationals uh, in, in the United States. Uh, and we're looking at these uh, flyovers, if that's the right phrase, uh, in, uh, in Taiwan. I mean, what is going on? I mean, I, 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 I'm very, I'm, I think, more nervous about the well-being and security and future of our country than I've ever been. Uh, am I being uh, unnecessarily uh, hysterical or alarmed? Uh, I believe that uh, you are looking at things correctly, Bill. Um, the, I believe that we have passed an historic transition, um, moving from a period of general calm to one of constant turbulence. We see bad actors acting together. China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. Yeah. And um, they are um, a powerful combination. The United States is a far stronger society than China. It's a far stronger society than Russia. I believe we're a far stronger society than the combination of the two of them. But um, they have a relentless maliciousness to them. They are determined. And we do not have a political system. And specifically, we don't have a president who is defending us right now. And that's why um, this is a uniquely dangerous time for Americans. We think we're at peace, um, but we're not because China and Russia are um, waging an undeclared war on us. The Chinese call it unrestricted warfare. That's the title of this infamous 1999 book by then two Chinese Air Force colonels, who, by the way, got promoted. Um, and that book basically says that China can do anything to take down American society. And that's why we need to look at the COVID-19 vaccine uh, yeah. and, um, epidemic, as well as uh, fentanyl sales as a part of this uh, Chinese unrestricted warfare. Well, you know, that uh, was my other job. You may, may or may not recall. I was education secretary. Then I was the first drug czar. Um, and we never, we never, didn't see fentanyl then. We see it now. And we know that fentanyl uh, made in China goes through Mexico into the United States. I, I, I've had this question for a long time. Uh, don't a lot of U.S. medicines that we get from our drugstores, aren't they manufactured in China? Yes, um, either that or the active pharmaceutical ingredients are manufactured in China. If they're putting fentanyl in the street, uh, what's to stop them from putting fentanyl in the, in the medicines that we buy from the drugstore? Very little. We have some FDA inspectors in China, but that's uh, close to useless for various reasons. Um, yes, China it could do that. And, and we know that China could, um, for instance, uh, stop the sales of pharmaceuticals to the United States. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. in, in, early, in early 2020, China actually threatened to do that, publicly threatened not to sell pharmaceuticals to the United States. Yeah, uh, right. All right. But I mean, they could do that or they could sell us pharmaceuticals that are, you know, spec to, speckled with uh, with fentanyl. And you don't need a whole lot to destroy people. Um, it's frightening. And, you know, as you said, Gordon, it's just so great to talk to you about all this because, you know, that they, they come at it with malice uh, toward us. 
uh, you know, Lincoln said, with malice toward none, they have malice toward us. We, we got them with, without malice. Uh, we go with goodwill. We welcome those Chinese students into our universities, into our homes. We extend the hand, uh, but uh, their motivations, their motivations are different. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, I said Russia and you know, China, you added Iran. You know, we're about to nuclearize Iran. I mean, what the hell are we doing? That's a larger rhetorical question. But you, know, you talked about the United States uh, might mean that we're a stronger society than China, than Russia, and so on. I have, I have a basic question. Are we stronger militarily than China and Russia combined? Uh, stronger militarily, um, but also something maybe more important, and that is from an economic point of view, we have a stronger and larger economy Um and China right now has an economy which I think is in contraction. Um, and we can see from their own numbers that their property sector is falling apart when property is really important because it constitutes somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of gross domestic product, which is unusually high by world standards. Um, property sales and prices have fallen something like about 40 percent in the first half of this year compared to the comparable period in 2021. Um, this has caused all sorts of problems. You've got large property companies defaulting. Um, you have people uh, not paying their mortgages, the bank runs, all sorts of um, things are happening in China right now. And this is, and, you know, and we look at this and, and um, the United States right now is, um, uh, you know, helping China in the sense that we're buying their products. Yeah, we're allowing yeah. investments into their um, equities, yeah, yeah. Um, all sorts of things that are happening. The helping not only Chinese companies, but also the Chinese military, because China has this doctrine of civil military fusion, which means the Chinese military has access to everything in society, whether it's from a, you know, held by a nominally civilian company or not. I know that. I know. I know that. But do we have this economic advantage, even though we are kicking the hell out of our own economy the last two years? Well, we still have uh, a strong economy, though, you know, it was obviously stronger under the previous president than it is now. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, largely Biden has done a number of things um, to undermine economic growth and yeah. the fundamentals yeah. of the American economy. But still, um, it, it takes more than a Joe Biden to uh, kill off the American economy. If, but, if you were if you were there, if you were those guys, if you were the Chinese, the Russians, wouldn't wouldn't this be the best time to attack the United States? Uh, or not, or not. I mean, you, this you, would, yeah, this would be ahead. an excellent time. Um, and part of it is when you when you look at the problems internally in China, and it's not just economic problems; it's, it's others as well. Um, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, is considered the author of domestic policies that are obviously failing. Now, if you're Xi Jinping uh, and you see that you're being blamed left, right, and center for all of these disasters internally then you do have an incentive to cause military misadventure abroad in order to divert the Chinese yeah. people from your yeah. mistakes yeah. at home. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so he's got the incentive to do that. Now, whether China would actually attack, you know, that's a complicated issue. And it's not just Taiwan. It's India, the Philippines, Japan, yeah. Yeah. and um, South Korea even possibly. But the point here is that um, the Chinese yeah. system is preparing for war. So we can talk about what they say. We can talk about their incentives as we try to divine what they are. But the fact remains, these guys are preparing to kill people. 
And we've got to make sure that we're prepared. And President Biden, I believe, has an obligation to get in front of the microphones, talk to the American people in a candid way and start preparing the United States to defend itself from what China plans to do. And that means building up this military again, right? It means building up its military, building up civil defenses, um, cutting relations with China. Across the board, we need to do these things to protect ourselves. Let me, uh, we promised uh, to let you go. You're very busy these days, much in demand. This makes sense. But let let me use the last couple of minutes to talk about Taiwan. What's going on there? And will they invade Taiwan? uh, Or um, do do you see that coming? Is that imminent? I don't think. What would imminent mean? Yeah, Yeah, I don't think an invasion is imminent because and some people talk about October or November this year. I don't think that that's going to be the case. And largely because the Communist Party, if tradition holds, um, will um, gather for its 20th National Congress in October or November of this year. National Congresses are really important events. They happen only once every five years. And this one is especially critical because Xi Jinping wants an unprecedented third term as general secretary of the Communist Party. In other words, China's ruler. And this is high political season in uh, China. If there were to be an invasion of Taiwan, Xi Jinping would have to give some general or admiral almost complete control over the Chinese military, making that flag officer the most powerful figure in China. And at this time, Xi Jinping is not going to do that. But um, let's remember a couple other things. There can always be an accident. China's military is engaging in these dangerous intercepts in the global commons. Um, and one of them can spiral into war. And also, the Chinese political system is becoming less transparent over time. We know less of what's going on, which means that C can take us by surprise because we don't understand yeah. Um, yeah. his calculations. Um, you, you mentioned before, I ask you to repeat, we do have some allies in the region, right? Significant yes. allies. And they are Japan, South Korea, Australia. Who am I missing? We, we do have a mutual defense treaty with the Philippines, um, and um, we're not exactly sure where um, Marcos, President Marcos is going to go. But I think that he will more or less side with us because he is being threatened by the Chinese. But we do have very strong allies in the region, uh, and you've mentioned them. Uh, there's something called the Quad, which is an informal grouping of the United States along with India, Japan, and Australia. I mean, these are are powerful countries in their own right, um, but the combination of them um, is more than up to the task of containing China if we demonstrate the political will. Um, And sometimes we don't. Um, The assassination of Shinzo Abe, the former Japanese minister, was a great blow to um, um, the cause of freedom and democracy in Asia. Um, And... um, you know, we have a lot to do there, um, largely yes, because do. the region saw the failures of the Biden administration and are really concerned about American leadership. Yeah, well, it looks like we have two, uh, two and a half more years of that Biden administration. Um, uh, put it all in perspective, and we got to let you go, but give us the large picture um, where we started and what we've talked about. Um, we have to be ready. Readiness is all, Shakespeare says, and that readiness is military readiness, moral readiness. Um, scrutiny of uh, of uh, Chinese nationals. Uh, what what else? Help me here, Gordon. Well, the the most important thing is that we have to realize that this is the most dangerous point in history. You know, I mean, in, in, since the Second World War, 
Um, we tend to think, oh, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962 or the Checkpoint Charlie Crisis of the preceding year were more dangerous. And on the surface, they do. But we've got to remember that we've now seen the archives and we know that neither Kennedy nor Khrushchev were willing to use nuclear weapons. We don't know what Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un and uh, the mullahs in Tehran. We don't know what these guys are going to do. And they see weak American leadership. Um, we, they see the world falling apart. They see that this is their time to move. They can do things which um, could uh, bring, on, bring on history's next great war. We already have a crisis in and war in Ukraine that could easily spread both yeah. east and west across yeah. the Eurasian yeah. landmass. Yeah. 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 These are exceedingly dangerous times, Bill. Yeah, and uh, do you notice? The, did you notice this last thing about? Are cutting off the pipeline there, supposedly for repairs in Europe. Nord Stream One, yeah, right. Uh, and and what's that going to mean? They're going to freeze out Europe. Uh, that's apparently what they intend to do. Winter's coming, and uh, Europe has been caught unprepared because it decided not to listen to a guy named right. Donald Trump, who suggested that they um, do a number of things to ensure their energy security. So now they find themselves in um, an imminent crisis. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You're, we agree your perspective is different in that we talk about threats to the country. You talked about Russian missile crisis and other things. I think domestically, that's probably because that's where I'm, my work is, American history. But I think of Lincoln, you know, we are the author of our own destiny. You know, these, these external threats are all serious. They're there. They're always there. They're more there today than ever. But, um, you know, if if, if, if we go down, we'll, we will be the author of our going down more than anyone else. And that's why I worry more about President Biden than President Xi. Yes. Well, Lincoln said, um, if the American Republic falls, it'll not because of an external threat but because of uh, internal matters. As a nation of free men, we live forever or die by suicide, I think. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Gordon. Always terrific. We really appreciate you very, very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bill. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.